Welcome to this week's episode of Toys on Tap. Worlds collide as Toys Alive jumps on, and we have a collaborative episode talking all about toys, what it's like to interview people, the show, the dynamics of toys, and all things toy podcasting. If you want to support the show, you can jump on, like, subscribe, rate, review, follow on all socials, jump on the Patreon. There are so many ways that you can help out this podcast. There's even an affiliate link to get magnets for those toys because we know you love the magnetic articulation. So go show us some love while you're listening to this week's episode of Toys on Tap. Yo, how are you, man? Good. The episode that I've been waiting for, dreaming of, sleeping on. Let <laughs> me try to figure out how to turn up the volume of these headphones since I've literally never, ever done this before. I've never seen you in headphones. Here we go. My son's probably got like 12 pairs of these. I'm like, yo, let me borrow some of those. All right, there we the go. Mic right in so we can hear that goatee. That's yeah, <laughs> scratchy in there. All right, Boys, there we go. I'm stoked. The joint episode, Toy World Colliding. You guys are killing it on one end of the coin. I'm trying to do my best on the other end of the coin. Killing uh, it. You're killing it on that side, man. Give us a break. <laughs> um, but you know the the interesting thing about this. Um, this will probably be the first episode where it's just almost like a hangout and a talk rather than an interview, because I think I just sometimes want to hang out with people and talk toys. And then the only people that I know that do this stuff regularly is you both. And so it's like the perfect duos that can come in. I'm sure you get it too, man. Some of what's difficult is you think, um, like they would have a lot to say about stuff, but like every now and then it feels like you're like, you're really digging to ask more and more questions because you're really not getting what you wanted. And then on top of that, um, like you're saying, you kind of want to be able to like hang out and chill, but at the same time, you feel like they're just sitting there waiting. Like what's the next question? Yeah. And you're like, Oh shit. All right. Yeah. You know what? I don't want to waste your time. Yeah. Let's uh, what toys do you like? There are. <laughs> <laughs> that is how it boils down there. You know, there is a couple artists that come to mind immediately um, that like, I don't know them at all. And they come on and it is the best conversation I've ever had. Uh, the one that I can immediately think of is, uh, the Wendigo absolutely hands down. He came on and just rocked the house. You guys get it. Absolutely, dude. And I think, you know, that's one of the things that we <laughs> kind of have going for us in our show is that it really is unscripted and it is more of a hangout. Uh, talking about, you know, the scene and artists and pieces and whatnot. But, you know, and I think Crumbs would probably agree. I think the best game plan for me is no game plan. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, I think I do my best work under pressure and kind of on the spot. Uh, and that turns out, you know, is pretty much how the show goes a lot of the times is we're just kind of shooting from the hip. Uh, we always say we only talk about toys. Sometimes that's the least amount of thing that we talk about. Uh, on the show we kind of sprinkle toys in there a little bit you know maybe you look at some pieces give some pieces away but um 
Yeah, man. I mean, that's that's kind of the atmosphere that we like to have, you know, not only for our guests, but for everybody in the room is that, you know, we're just hanging out. We're just hanging out, talking about stuff that we like, uh, low pressure, no pressure. And it, it just seems to work out like that. I like probing guests probably the most because the reality is, is like I, I can look at your piece. I can try and assume maybe what you were going for. or I can put my own intent on there. But it's insane sometimes, like even the simplicity of a piece, somebody will be like, they'll, and they'll say it casually too. They'll be like, oh, you know, it's just this. And they rhyme something off and suddenly you're like, that's magic. That mm-hmm. just amplified this piece. You're way more like significant and you're way more intelligent and more methodical than your work even speaks for. And suddenly just like, you're kind of taken aback by like what you maybe overlooked by just looking at the piece or just following their pages. And what's trippy is like, some of the most uh, like lovely artists that I've met, they're very much like, well, it's about the art. It's about my toy. And yet you get them talking for two seconds and everybody in the room is like, wow. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, dude, your work does speak for itself. And it is lovely. But if you, if people knew where it was coming from too, damn, it just speaks so many more volumes. Right. And, and I think that's like what your show does. Like even like any of the artists you bring in, man. And when you edit that stuff, it's always to like make that that thing sparkle more, shine more, be more of a gem because you you're seeing it when you're editing it. Even you're like, this isn't rough. There's a diamond in here. Mm-hmm. There was just some awkward moments, and I'm gonna just make sure we grab those highlights and really showcase how dope they are. And like, we we see those highs and lows, but I think when we walk out of the episode, everybody knows that like we left there at least with some gems, and like we now have a better understanding of who the artist is, and then their work just clicks. Yeah. You know, it's, um, there has, it's crazy to think, I, I don't know how to describe it to people, but uh, what's cool is you guys will get it. Um, the more, like, I'm still relatively new. I started this in 2020, but the more I interact with toys, the more I see artists, the more I um, see the different points of the different scenes, um, the more I realize I know nothing. Like, the scene is constantly evolving and it's evolving at a faster rate than I can keep up with. And so I think that's the struggle. Like, cause I have my hands in like, I like commercial toys. I like that stuff. I do toy facts. That shit's weird. Um, I do like collecting. I do like artists and stuff, but I can't keep up. I, I honestly, I can't. Yeah, I, I agree, man. And I think, you know, that's another thing that really works for us too, is that, you know, crumbs is incredibly knowledgeable about this scene and not only about the scene, but about the artists that are in it and specifically about the processes that people use me just being a dumb collector coming in from the outside going, Hey, that's cool. I want to buy that. You know what I mean? I think that's where, you know, we kind of get that back and forth on the show where I feel comfortable and say, Hey, what is that? Or how did they do that? And, you know, crumbs will give you the one one on exactly what's going on there. Um, but you're right, dude. It's a lot to keep up with, man. Um, the amount of artists that come out are just, I mean, its it just doesn't stop, man. And then the drops don't stop and the shows don't stop. And, you know, then here comes another guy or another girl or another artist. And you're just like, man, how do you stay? How do you stay on top of it? You know, Crumbs and I were talking the other day just about running our personal account and the show account. Mm-hmm. Um, and like i seriously feel like my personal account uh where falls apart. yeah it, 
absolutely dude where i display most of my stuff just go takes a nosedive um and that's not to say that the toy one is getting posts every day it's just there's so much you're like what do i do what do i do today do i do i try to do something over here or do i try to do something on my own page and um there's a lot i mean never ending content is a great thing it's a great problem to have but um it does make it kind of tricky when you're trying to sort it all out you know I think I'm running into uh, like I have my own toys and my own stuff that I do, but that so much of that is background stuff, right? Like people don't see those processes. People don't do that. And when I do an episode, much like you guys, my goal is to get the attention on this person. I don't know who it is. I don't care how big you are. I don't care how small you are. And I'm going to show the world. And so in doing that, like my own stuff falls to the wayside and like I have stuff just sitting on the burner um that like i have a show coming up that i'm putting together which is nice and it's like finally i get to work on something that i want to do um but yeah that part eats my brain up a lot because it makes me it pulls me out of the idea that i'm even a toy artist anymore because i just don't i'm not doing it enough anymore and so it like it fucks me up a little bit you you touched on something there though that i think is really interesting because i was having a conversation with somebody today actually who like they do create, they're a little bit in their head about how much they create. And they're also a little bit hesitant about posting their work because they're like, well, unless I'm ready to like really take off, if I start posting people, are, what if they hit me up and stuff? And I'm not really ready to do that. And I was like, dude, you have no idea like how many artists are in this scene and they've done a drop, no drops. They're still chilling. Like they're still here. They're still hanging out with everybody. Like whether it be they're watching the toys on tap stuff, commenting on that. Like most of them, we can probably have name at least two people we know of who are integral to this toy scene and yet like we can't put a toy behind their drops or anything, mm -hmm. but they're, but they're, we know they're artistic and creatives. They're here. It, it's weird how I think a lot of us do this thing where we think we're going to like die tomorrow, man, which I get like you could right? like anything could happen, try and get as much done as you can possible. But most of us have probably like 30 years, all these <laughs> ideas that we're kind of like, I got to freaking do it, man, or else I'm a, a phony. It's like, yep, like minimum 30 years, dude. And a lot of the dudes in the scene actually like 10 to 5, they retire. You're going to be bored if you do it all now, man. Leave yeah. You know, that that die tomorrow stuff, I was um, – I never thought that. You know, Kozik kind of put me – put in perspective – I was emailing back and forth because I was trying to get him on a multi-series episode like I did Suck Lord. Um, and then I hadn't heard from him in a while. And then that post came up that he passed. And it was um, like such a bummer. Well, like I didn't know. I think here's the hard part. I didn't know him personally. I met him once. Um, and it was a bummer because it was like, oh, like I could have just been one more avenue for you to get your story out. But then I thought like on the other end, like, man, like we are now seeing the flip side of the toy scene where we're now seeing people drop off. And I didn't know that was coming. Um, and I didn't know how to prepare for it. And so there's artists that um, like um, Culture Pop Toys or Falcon Toys, they had started creating and stopped creating by the time I had come in. So I didn't see that. But now I'm witnessing toy artists come in and drop. And it's uh, it's kind of a bummer. Um, that I couldn't get to him in time, or I couldn't even just reach out and be like, "Hey, come on the show." Um, so I, yeah, that's the kind of struggle that I run into. I would agree with you, man, because I feel like for a lot of these artists, you need that intrinsic and extrinsic value, and I feel like unfortunately, some people they burn out. Like whatever it might be, they burn out, 
And especially when it's somebody that you at least had your eye on and something you didn't catch it, you're like, fuck, man. Like, I wish I could have maybe offered some kind of life preserver, maybe been like that little bit of motivation or something if you liked this. Um, but also, you kind of mentioned it, like, we are entering a scene at a weird point where not only are we losing artists because, like, unfortunately, like, other factors, but, like, this year, we've lost a lot of artists, man. Mm. Like, we're at that point where, like, like, there's three images coming to my brain right now, even, of artists that, like, were pillars in in parts of the toy scene and making it what it is today so it's it, we're kind of at that point too well and it's an interesting time man because i think you know the same thing that we always talk about uh where abe you know you and i i think came in around the same time 2020 um i was toward the back end of 2020 um but you know, I think that's when a lot of people came around is in 2020, right? Like it or not, COVID-19 is something that created a lot of people. Now, when you create a lot of jobs um, or a lot of, you know, accounts or artists from people that are just at home uh, because they have to be home, uh, when people start going back to work, uh, you know, sometimes this stuff just goes away. And I think that's a part of it too. I also think that, you know, so if you say you were coming out in 2020 and we're into 2023 now, you're hitting that three to four year mark where if your stuff isn't, you know, flying off the shelves and you're expecting it to, it may be a little bit of, man, I've been doing this for three or four years. It just doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. I think it's time for me to take just a creative break and try to clear some things out. And I've seen people post that, um, which is great. You know, but some people, they just don't come back or maybe they're still planning to come back. Um, you know, and I think we talked about this on our show uh, just recently is, um, you know, this kind of scene that we're talking about right now, I think there's a very, very, very limited amount of people that are doing this as a full-time gig mm -hmm. and doing this as their main source of income, man. Like those are very few and far between. Um, and so it, it does, it takes a backseat to, you know, priorities in life, to other finances that you have. Um, usually if there's a cutback that's going to happen, sometimes it, you know, the first place it comes out of is your material or your supplies. Um, and then next thing you know, um, you're not as around anymore. And it, you, I think for me, just, you know, you kind of get as much as you get addicted to being a part of it, you get addicted to being away from it as well, where you kind of see what that break does. And sometimes it's easy to say, I like that break. You know, I don't like having to be on a schedule or having to feel like I need to post or reach out to somebody who's interviewing. Um, so it's a very it's a very personal choice to be here is what I'll say. Yeah. Uh, I got to pause from that. I totally we didn't even introduce you guys for them listening. <laughs> so uh, before we do that, though, I'm going to brag on you guys for a hot sec, make you guys feel uncomfortable. Um, Crumbs and Brian B to the J are on the podcast today. Um, two two people that put a lot, a lot into this. Crumbs, I've never seen so much work go into a scene of art and uh, not even like much work, but like passion behind it. So that's it's incredible to watch when you guys do your live show and like also just incredible to see how your brain works because I've counted how many tabs are open sometimes and it's a unreal, unreal. Like my computer probably can't handle that um, and be like <laughs> If you ever go away from the toy seat, I think some of those people that do this full time are about to drop. 
<laughs> but you you're passionate you hit like it uh, i don't post videos for this but people have seen it you're you're surrounded by toys constantly and and toys for some reason you have like fallen in love with this scene and i think that um it's just cool to have like both of you on here so but please introduce who you are and your show Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you. Uh, that was quite an introduction. I am Brian Johnson, known as B to the J. Uh, I co-host a show with my main man up here in Canada, uh, Crumbs Blunt, called Toys Alive. We uh, we do a live show every Thursday night. I came into the scene as just a collector uh, and supporter and really just a fan of everybody that's here. And it's kind of grown into something that's uh, that's very, very cool. And I think it's just... Uh, all that being said, I think it's kind of just the beginning of uh, of something that's even bigger. So that's who I am. Thank you, Abe, for having us on, man. Of Very course. much appreciate it. You know what's crazy? You um, you specifically, and I think out of most people we would see, and I, Crumbs, you might actually be able to speak to this because you've been in here in the scene longer. Um, he's kind of breaking the pattern of like, you notice toys, you collect toys, you start making toys. But you're breaking it and are loving it from the outside. At least it looks like you're loving it. And um, people, I would say that people get into it because they're like, Oh, I want to make it. Then they see how hard it is. And then they pull out of both making and collecting. And you're like, man, you, you kind of like you cut a little wedge there and then you left. What happened? Yeah, I, I agree, man. And, and thank you for, uh, for saying that. Um, you know, even go and so that goes back to even you know talking about how busy we are. You know, you and Crumbs are actually artists as well. You know, so you're doing all this other stuff and you're making stuff, uh, and that just adds to it, man. And that's where I back up and I say, you know, hey, I know where my strengths are. Um, yes, it would be awesome to uh, be able to sit down, and I do have a extra bucket of pieces that I just throw in there that I will do something with someday. Right? How many times have you heard that? But. I'm just like everybody else, man, I, in, in that respect that uh, I have big plans for stuff. But on the other hand, um, I enjoy supporting. We interrupted this broadcast of Toys on Top to bring you this. Meanwhile, in a galaxy of bootleg treasures. DOV2, we have an engine failure. We must crash land on DKE Toy Planet. Oh my, we're doomed. Wait, salvation. Hooray. We'll save the DLP 2 Limited edition custom artist made action figures and DKE toys. Check out www.dkatoys.com for a full catalog. Hooray for custom action figures. DKE. You know, and I enjoy making this scene go uh, and being a part of, you know, bigger things to come. And I think that's just where my strength is right now is just being a supporter man and just uh, just being some conduit to uh some of these artists and getting their pieces seen it's uh you know and that's and that's where i'm happy at right now and so until that changes um that's kind of who i'm gonna be if i can too though be really humble because for one he lists off the artist part i would say technically all those pictures he takes all art if you consider yep. all the time effort that goes into those pictures, and I know we might see like one or five in a little gallery, and if you were to look at his phone, you'd be scrolling for that like one toy for the perfect shot, right? So that, 
but also I know, and like, I'm, I'm always hesitant to talk about it, but I know he's been kind of picking away at a book as well, right? And what's trippy with B is like, as much as he says that like, oh, I don't really know much about like the process and all of that, he knows who he's going to send what blank to, right? Mm-hmm. If he buys a blank of a toy and he already knows in his brain, like what painter in the scene is going to be like the best one to hit that piece. So like he knows all that stuff. And I think that does come from when you have that many pieces and you can collect that much stuff and you start seeing who paints what and what style, you start kind of leaning into that, man. And then what's tough, like you kind of said, like everybody starts collecting, eventually starts making. I think most people who get into this were probably creatives at one point or another. Either you were already a maker and you were like, oh yeah, I took some art in university or like, yeah, I used to do this. And like, there's some creative background there. So then once you learn this new medium and your like the gears start going when you're looking at a piece, and then you haven't seen something that you really want to see, your brain is like, I've got to, I want to do it, right? But then I also think B and I are in an interesting situation where it's like, like I know I am, like I don't want to touch resin because it would almost be offensive after the amount of hours you guys have actually informed me about like your techniques, like what you guys do with mm-hmm. resin. It would almost feel like dirty at this point to then like directly step on the resin game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what's also tough and like, the community that we have on Instagram, I would say it's like a great place where artists can like learn, be motivated, be like inspiring, inspiring each other and everything else. But I do think more artists need to get in the habit of seeing that kind of like the regroup center, that like command center where it's like all the toy makers. And then they also need to be aware of like where the waters are that you fish to find other fish, right? Like if you know most of your toy homies aren't hitting up TikTok or Reddit or uh, YouTube shorts, that's where you should be. And, it, and you don't even have to be building a community there. You don't, you can just be literally plopping your stuff there and trying to pump your like marketing yourself there to like get sales, funnel mm-hmm. them back. And it's almost kind of like you need like the toy homies to be like your homies that you discuss ideas and cool stuff with. But that dollar bill passing around table from table at the convention doesn't necessarily go very far. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, uh, we've, we've said that all of us have probably said that 20, 30 times. And I have seen someone do it for the first time at Decon. It was insane. I think that there are things in the toy scene that I, um, that are fun. Uh, absolutely love. There are also things that I wish existed, but I don't know how to create or don't know how to make space for. So, um, one of them, I jumped on a live with the Gorehounds, um, 3d sculptor makes these killer, like eighties comic book, ninja turtle-esque dark grungy toys and they're so sick and as we're talking about his toy i think i i like you guys get excited so i want to talk about like the weird like tell me how you sculpted the ear to get that little flick like i don't tell me all of it um and as we're talking like ideas start flowing and so he's like oh i'm going to start sculpting and adding pieces and accessories but it only happened because we were just bouncing back and forth and um I think that's the piece that I feel like is missing a lot. Like I don't have a place where I can say like I, I made Astron and the hardest part about making that was I didn't have anyone to say like, is this good? And I need like real critical, like, nah, that ain't it. Start over. But I didn't have that. And so now like, I'm really happy with where it was, but it took me way longer than it should have because I didn't have a space to say like, Hey, here's my toy. Do something with it. That is, <clears throat> Crumbs and I talk about this all the time, man. It is so, 
it's hard, man. It's hard to be critical in an arena that is so subjective, Yeah, you know, and we talk about that all the time, you know, um, obviously there's quality differences, man. I think we all know, uh, and anybody who's probably listening to this also knows that, um, it, there's some quality that's on another planet. There's other quality that you're just like, holy smokes, what is this? You know? Um, and then I think you really kind of got to go to intent, you know, is that a rush job? And that's why it came out like that. Or is that the way that piece is supposed to be? Maybe that's what drew you to that piece originally was the quality of it. Maybe it reminds you of something, or maybe um, you like that artist or you're just doing it to support, but um, it's tricky, man. It's, it's something that we don't really go into a lot um, on the show as far as, Hey, I don't like this about this uh, piece. I don't like that about this piece. If people reach out and I've done this before, I'm sure crumbs has too. If people reach out and say, Hey, what do you think about this? Um, I have no problem saying, Hey, I'm not feeling that. I think that should be this. I think maybe you should consider this. Um, but it's a little bit of a different story when somebody produces a piece and it comes out. Um, and you try to be so critical Mm -hmm. um publicly with it you know just because mm -hmm. i think it's so subjective price is subjective right material is subjective um where the person is making it their personal situation that can be affecting things too um so it's hard talking, man i think what b's talking about though or i mean um abe is talking about is potentially having a um a safe environment of other creatives that you feel that you can safely discuss like creative ideas with and how that can basically like inspire you to get new ideas and how you didn't really feel, it doesn't really feel necessarily you have like a space to sit like unless I'm, I'm misunderstanding. No, no, no. Um, I, I, you're right, dude. And, and I think, I think at one point before we started toys alive, I think crumbs had something very similar to that. Um, and it was just something that I didn't at that time I was newer to the scene. It, there was a lot of really, really great artists in there. Um, and it was a it was a great show uh, or a great gathering, I guess you would say, of uh, people that were doing just that. You know, uh, people like Titty Bean in the early days, Bootleg Sewer Mutant, One Trick Pony. Uh, I mean, you look at these artists now, you're like, holy smokes, man! These guys were all hanging out together, just talking about, hey, what do you think about this? That's crazy to me. And, and I think that's a big, like, I think whenever that does happen, it's a big thing that helps, man. Is that was that your siren? <laughs> Good old Toronto. No, fucking. Um, but I do think that those group those group chats like that, like one, if you ever and Abe, you've actually would have seen it like early on, right? Because you mentioned it, and personally, being somebody who's in like freelance industry i also noticed that as well right you're working you're grinding on something you start wondering like is this even fucking good yeah. and you're also kind of like i want to bounce it off somebody and i did notice that when they're when they're constructive group ig chats can be really good for people to bounce ideas materials share images of what they're working on and the dream actually when you have one of those group chats should be it's like you guys all get a routine if there's 10 of you in that group chat every time one of you says hey guys i just posted something it should have 10 likes on it in like one second because there's 10 of you in that fucking chat and that becomes almost like symbiotic right that should just become like naturally happening but on top of that what i find is more even important than those group chats is when you end up finding maybe one or two people from those group chats that you realize like a discord uh video chat where you're mirroring each other so you decide i want to sculpt today you're like dude i've been dying to paint i can't make the time you're like you want to paint today you want to sit on vid chat hang out you want to sashi Next thing you know it, like, and Titty Bean's king at this, man. 
if you sit on a video chat with Titty Bean, you are going to get work done because within two seconds, that guy's painting something and you're like, I'm a lazy idiot. I should, mm-hmm. I should probably do something, right? So like you start mirroring that other person. And if you find somebody else that you can create with and you guys can both be like, hey, does this red look good? Yeah, dude, that looks bomb. Sick, run with it, right? That's such a good environment to get in and a good habit to get in, man. And people need to like find those, those connections and then and then sell yeah. side <laughs> with those techniques. I, I think the hard part too is uh, when you start getting these, um, like when you first join the toy scene, it's really cool, it's fun. Um, everyone will always say the same phrasing. They will always say, this toy scene is accepting and great. Those are the two words that usually get paired when they first jump in, um, which is fine. And I think that that's true. Except that you don't have your own like group. It took me years to figure out which artists I want to talk to, which artists I want to be really close with, which artists um, that if they said something to me, it wouldn't offend me. It would be like super funny. Um, uh, I I think that there are artists like Last Bastion Studios. I love Wes and Chris. Like those two, um, whenever it's like Decon, Beeline, that's my first booth. Um I have them coming on in July because we we're going to like launch something and talk again. And like artists like that or Neil Ewing. Um, I don't know what my connection with him, how it started or what, but like, great. Like it, it did. That's all it was. It did. And so that was, I think hella radical toys is one that hits all of us. Um, Corey could text me today and I would drive up to him and help him dude. I've never met that guy in person. Um, but I think that there are aspects of that. Um, um, it took me forever to find people that I, I would say that I love and I'm willing to reach out to flip side. We all have DMS of people trying to identify if we are that for them. I refer to it as a playground, man. Mm -hmm. And this is the safest way in my brain. And unfortunately I understand for anybody new joining this isn't how everybody can like maybe perceive this. It might be very difficult for them. But if you walk onto the playground and you see everybody's playing soccer and they're having a great time playing soccer, but you know you hate soccer, nobody's forcing you to play soccer, right? You're welcome on the playground, but you can play four square. You can play basketball. You can play tag. You can play grounder. There are hundreds of kids on this playground. Nobody's forcing a soccer ball in your hand. And that's where for me, I always have a hard time because, and I've noticed this in music as well. I've noticed this almost like, right. I've been told by people before, like, well, you and your buddies are elitists. And you're like, why are we elitists? And it's like, well, you're sitting over there laughing away, thinking you're better than everybody else. And it's like, whoa, you're welcome to join our circle, but I bet you, you might not like us. Like if you came and joined, you might see us having a fun time and laughing and and all that. and, And you might think you're jealous of the fun we're having, but you might not actually dig the shit we're into. That might be why we're not actually like, homies is like we're not going to click you and what happens is sometimes you notice like and it's happened in real life right these people then almost because they see what you have and that that fun they're like i'm going to implant myself in there it looks like they're having fun and then within minutes they start becoming kind of resentful being like you guys like playing foursquare you guys wear sneakers and it's kind of like dude i get you're starting to get kind of bent out of shape because you don't want to conform to foursquare but that's why there's basketball and soccer and tag mm-hmm. and grounder. And, and you're right, though. It's hard to find your click. And 
most of us in this scene aren't naturally social. Right. Most right. of us are a little bit more reserved. And then it's the internet. People can be fucking weird on the internet, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Dude, I, and I think that's the good and bad thing, right? Like, there is, a, a, you know, a lot of more people a lot of people a lot of people that i would say are more introverted here uh but then the internet is kind of the place for that right like people that want to open up and maybe you don't have to have that face-to-face um connection with somebody um you can comment on somebody's stuff or you can dm somebody uh and you end up coming out with it's just like life man like you were saying you know we have people we have acquaintances we have friends and we have people that we would drive to another state for at the drop of a hat um and what's wild about this place, man, it's like what you said, 2020, you've been here in a short span of three years, uh, online only, never meeting this person in person that you've developed a friendship where you're like, yeah, man, I'm down for you. I would do that. I would do that for you. For you, I would do that. Uh, and that's, a, you know, toys aside, that has nothing to do with toys at all. Right. Zero. You know, it may be what you brought you together in the first place, but uh saying that you would do something for somebody like that that's that has nothing to do with toys man and that's that's a really cool uh you know kind of uh benefit of of being here and i think the the preface so that there are people because there are i know i know for a fact someone listened they were like wait a minute i didn't get named i'm not in that okay here here it is here it is uh at d i think decon is like the perfect place Thursday night, 7 p.m. YouTube Live. It's Toys Alive. Toys Alive. Toys Alive. There's way cool artist unboxing. No Accounts under a thousand followers. Art out there for 30 bucks or less. Collector spotlight. Current upcoming shows and drops. Giveaways. Short chats with artists. News from the hood. 100% indie all the time. That's Toys Alive. Thursday nights, 7 p.m. PST, YouTube Live. People come up, right? Um, Grums, we're still waiting for you to get to Decon. It's it's on the list, bro. You need to get there. Um, but there is this moment in which people walk up and they're like, Toys on tap. I love the show. Brian, I can't, like, Toys Alive, you're here. We love the show. That's awesome. I love it. I If you don't tell me your Instagram tag, I'm uh, there's no way I'm going to remember you, but like, I will try to keep up, but it happens a lot. Um, and then like seeing those people and doing that, that is awesome. Again, you go to booths and there's like, I love your work. And I think that that's the thing that, um, I'm trying to like navigate constantly. Like I may like your work and I may think that you're a fantastic artist, but we may never talk. And that's fantastic. Uh, I think one that comes to mind who like whenever I do talk, it's my favorite thing. Um, what's uh, Todd uh, junk fed. Every time we do message, it is the most pleasant thing. When we jumped on the podcast, it was awesome. I own none of his pieces, but I love all of his pieces. Um, and so it's like that happens a lot too, where it's just a, a weird mix of everything. It is, man. And I think, you know, you nailed it on the head. Uh, Decon is kind of a great, uh, you know, breeding ground, right? To kind of see these people that you've been following or that you've messaged with. And, uh, dude, I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, uh, and there's a lot of artists that are 
that are out that in that category for me. But, um, you know, and maybe that speaks to more of how you can even leave toys out of it mm-hmm. um, and just say, man, this is just a very cool person. I like interacting with this person um, on this subject. So um, I think I'm navigating yeah, cool. space as well. Like looking behind both of you, you got shelves and shelves, right? My wife, not so stoked on toys. So it's like in my office at work and it's like on different shelves and stuff. And so uh, trying to navigate like uh, I have to like almost taper myself, like how many toys can I get? What do they do? Like, how do I place them? How do I have enough room? Um, And I have to negotiate space. And so sadly, uh, a lot of bigger pieces lose out immediately. I think I have um, four. One of them's right here, but I have like four that um, are big. And so, and that's probably it because I just don't have the shelf space. I need little ones that I can stack on top of each other. See, and yet I've been looking at your shelf this whole time because there's a couple pieces on there I don't recognize. Like, is that a Champ Booty one? Is that a Champ Booty? Um, yeah. Are we jumping into this? We're doing show and tell. I wanted to show you guys stuff, and I hope that you guys had stuff. Okay. There's a couple of things that I'm dying to know. Yeah. The great the walkie-talkie and that red dinosaur, those two are definitely eye catchers, man. Okay. So one of my favorite artists of all time, only because of one piece that he's made, even though he is licensed. Um, he's an incredible artist and has a licensing agreement to license Astro Boy. Doom Co designs, right? He makes the Tarvis. And it's just his colors now. Um, and just a like incredible guy. He was funny. I bought one. He sent me a message on his Instagram, was like, thank you. And then I bought a second one because I think this was like nine bucks. And then he sent me another message and was like, accident? And I was like, not at all. And then he sent me a third one for free. And I was like, dude, I'll like, I'll just keep playing this game. Don't tempt me. Um that's yeah. a great little piece, dude. You said nine bucks for that piece. I think it's like nine bucks, and it's like I don't know how to measure this thing because of what it is, but uh, yeah, and one point of articulation, a little turny, a little there. Oh wow, I thought that was static. That's uh, awesome for yeah, nine bucks. The Fubi, I'm assuming. Um, I that's the hard part too. Like, there's wow. the the ignorance that comes in. Sometimes I guess someone says something, I'm like, I guess it's great. <laughs> Fucking, that's it's what I kind of look at. That's when I kind of look at crumbs and I'm like, hey, yeah. jump in anytime because I know I sound like an idiot right yeah. now. I, I'm not sure what this is or what I'm looking at, but I think um, that's where the interviews are the best, though. Like Zyma Co came in on our show. You showed a piece. I thought that potentially it had been um, drywall joint tape that had been covered and resin covered. And then it turns out it was filament. So it's like, oh shit. Yeah. Way off, man. Glad we yep. brought them in. I think, uh, and two, like, I think uh, how this all, like, I brought these because I wanted to ask the question, what are some toys that you have your eyes on? And what are some that you're collecting? I find myself, like, if it catches my eye, even if it's not fully a toy, I'm going to get it. So Shampootie, he produced the Trench Knife. Oh, that's awesome. Um, Super rad. And then um, in bootleg toy fashion, there's a note in there that says if you take a fucking picture of it don't show this side because he'll get sued (laughs) and it's like little tykes already reach out to him and like got him um this it was cool to get this one the other ones he has are like super expensive 
and so That's i awesome, like man. i didn't know how to say like fuck i want that but i i can't i can't do it but this <laughs> one was like a hundred bucks so i was like okay i mean that's negotiable i can um i can do it um and so yeah it was cool to see that um not really responsive i've tried to get him on the podcast or talk i think he's more of the fine art side and doing that kind of stuff i definitely think so as well man and not only the fine art side of things but uh and i mean this with all of the respect i believe they're a tinkerer and an inventor as well so okay as much as they're doing that with like the 3d printing stuff if you scroll down their page they're like inventing weird like circuitry stuff and wooden stuff that is like wheels turning and lights flashing for music to play and you're like all right all right so i think he he's definitely like into the exploratory arts yeah okay that makes sense um i don't know if you guys have met harshmallows or talked to him uh yeah cool guy those all um one of a kind hand sculpt like is that a like polymer clay sculpt or is that a cast cast okay okay so um he uh you're thinking of the the almost like statuesque ones right i just i've gone to his site a couple times and just because of the pricing i've wondered if they were one-offs yeah so um at his booth um and we talked on the episode he does do some resin casting but he does the sculpting and stuff because it's based off of his uh five characters i couldn't even tell you the names if i tried i think there's like an animation deal in the works for them as well if i'm not mistaken um so he he got me he got me man so he posted something with netflix that said like it's coming and it was a joke and i got on on the episode but i looked that's like totally fair no yeah. man, that's totally fair that's totally fair man that's that's kind of one of those things in this scene in general right is is it's, some of these guys are such good artists it's really hard to know what is real sometimes it's unfair but this is his <laughs> this is one of them let's see if it'll focus in for it there you go crazy good he makes burn marks the hat comes in it's like it's stoked he signs the bottom it's cool um they're not yeah they're not um limited and run i think his table is like full of them some artists um even if i don't uh and i think you guys would agree with this even if i'm not like sold on every piece that someone makes i will try my best to get one of your pieces to either celebrate you give you money or just be able to say like no no you're on my shelf because i like you're a great artist um and he just happened to be i see you moving around a lot because you have toys in your hand so i'm waiting for that thing to pop up don't don't tease me i'm just kind of just kind of getting stuff ready here okay okay Um, i think i know what you just put on because it had some vibes and i've seen those colors before and i think Mm -hmm. i know what that one is and i can't wait okay (laughs) fair Um, enough some uh i mean you guys have seen the ragnar before i've seen the ragnar but i'm not sure who he's holding okay stanfield toys did a Mm. small run I so I don't I I interacted with Stanfield maybe twice, got him on the podcast, and then he did a run of this dope articulated gorilla, Gorville. And 
Like Dude, I never knew when those dropped. Those were insanely well done. The sculptor for those did a really fucking good job, man. So yeah. he did it. And a part of this, when we're talking about the scene is developing, magnets cast in the resin, so they just pop on and you'll never see it. Wow. Details up with um like the headpiece. You can put a brain on there, you could put some magnetics. Uh, he has this bone he holds that's his rib. You can slide it back in there. But yeah, it's like, I mean, uh, only only problem is that like the place it sits is always on the Ragnar because it can't balance uh, because the articulation on it is so, like so good, but it's in the shape of a monkey and monkeys don't generally sit like humans. How about so, that? Yeah, so it's dope. Uh, like one of my favorite pieces, well done, well painted. Um, the only piece I have from him, I don't think I have any other pieces or that I've seen any other pieces come through. Because for he's one of the artists that I get pissed off. He doesn't come up on my feed ever. I have to seek him out. I would agree. I don't know if it's because of how infrequently he currently posts stuff, but I would totally agree. Stanfield is one that you like. You have to search and go to their page and see what they're up to. Yeah, and but you like that. Yeah. And isn't that weird, man? Because I see Stanfield all the time. See, all the time, man. It's one of those ones that I would say there's a handful of people that I see or accounts that I see regularly. And and they're definitely one of them. Um, and that's just, I mean, have you ever thought about that, man? Like, look how many people you follow, right? And look how many people we we each follow. And then think of how many different accounts you're really seeing. I mean, if if we see over a thousand accounts. A thousand accounts, man. Like, think of how many people are posting every day out of that thousand. Probably a large number. How many of those are you actually seeing? I think it's a very, very small percentage. Um, and I'll be honest, man. Sometimes when we're looking for material to present on the show, as far as people that are coming out with drops, uh, you know, I think it's very easy to fall into a trap to go back to those same accounts and see what they're doing. Now, as a viewer, you know, I don't know if I want to see that same account over and over and over again. So you switch up your search on you know who you're following to who your favorites are and maybe try to just do a little shuffle and see what comes up i do that all the time um and it's you know the algorithm is something that people talk about on instagram all the time i don't know if anybody will ever figure it out uh but I, you're right dude i think we just see a very limited amount of of what's actually out there you know yeah i think i i mean this is all this is all like out of my ass, right? Like the artists that I've clicked on their website, I see every day. Um, the artists that I've gone to their inst if if Instagram owns the stuff that I click on. So like for um the next one I want to show you guys, I go to their like their page regularly because I love their work. I have this fascination with street sharks. And so um because I go so regularly, like they are. I see posts from them where it's like posted today, five days ago, 10 days ago. It's like, whoa, what? Like, that was cool. I already saw the week one. So maybe we chill a little bit. Um, I, I find if anything, it's almost opposite sometimes. Like, I'll be talking to a homie and then I'll go to their page, like B's page today. I hadn't probably seen the last like 10 posts he mm -hmm. had done. And yet I'm sitting there being like, I talk to this guy every day. How is it Instagram just doesn't show me these pictures? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I like to play the game. You should play the game with your account since you have multiple. If I post on Yucko, it never pops up. 
on Toys on Tap. However, Toys on Tap always pops up on Yucko, but I don't like my own stuff. So it's like a, I don't know. It's bullshit. I live in it. I feed the beast. I love the beast. Um, This mother effer, dude, I don't know if you guys have ever, um, he came on, uh, speaks uh, very little English. So I had to, I, every once in a while, I'll bring on translator. What is this, master? Deep in the darkest corners of our Digital sculptors are choosing body parts and combining them in unnatural ways. <laughs> they are making a mutant. The evolving group of worldwide toy makers has been collaborating digital sculpting and making a mutant on Instagram. <laughs> Making a mutant. on Instagram. <laughs> Join making a mutant on Instagram, a digital sculpting toy collab. With okay, that's a um something warrior. We were looking at those. It, fuck, and I wasn't sure if it was a Japanese maker or something, but it's not an English-speaking maker. Uh, Argentina. Oh, okay. Argentina. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of the makers that like um so it's uh. The man, oh, I hope I get this right. Street Sharks, and then the um, Mexican bootleg is Ocean Warriors, and then the Argentina bootleg of a bootleg is Street Shark or Fighter Sharks. And they like the packaging is phenomenal. You pull it out, it comes with like uh, foam and everything, so you can balance it out. And then look at this. Freaking. Wow, man. You know, Argentina, uh, there's some cool things happening in Argentina as far as the toy scene goes. Yeah. Uh, there's quite a few artists out there. The one in your hand now, um, Legends of Patagonia, though, that's another great mm-hmm. account uh, for 5.5 work. Uh, wow, dude, that's a beautiful piece. Yeah, he, um, because I have, Along with my, like, I don't have any space. I also have OCD. And so it's like, I obviously had to buy one of each of his that he makes. So it was like, well, damn. Uh, the only trouble, um, shipping is a... Oh. <laughs> but he's good. He 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 works with you. Um, super cool. He's down there with um, Punk and Pop. Is that, or Pop and Punk? I get those confused. Switch. Punk and Pop, yeah. Punk mm-hmm. and Pop. And then there's one down there whose toys are the cheapest toys I've ever seen. It's a loss. I'll have to send it to you guys. It It's this like, they're like $15 a pop. And I'm, I'm tempted to go in with other people like I did with the guy from Iran um, just to get them shipped here because shipping is like 70 bucks sometimes. It's... Oh. From Argentina, it's crazy, man. Um, myself and Kerfloss, and I believe it was Death and Strawberry, and maybe Neo Nostalgia. Um, we had done the exact same thing that you're talking about, and uh, from Legends of Patagonia, because I think the shipping, the figures were very, very cheap. I want to say for a 5.5 uh, total customed out, you know, 
uh, Motu piece was like 30 bucks. And then you go to the shipping and the shipping's twice as much. And you're like, oh man, this $30 piece just became a hundred dollar piece. I'm not sure if I want this now. Um, unless, you know, you can get somebody to go in with you and, and that's exactly what we did. That's one way. That's one way around that. But yes, yeah, shipping, man, holy smokes. If we had a yeah. dollar for every time we talked about shipping on the show. Whew. And just, just so everyone's clear, like I, I go, I probably like, I go crazy when it's trying to figure out how to get toys here if I need to. So I was like contacting other Argentinian toy artists that I knew were coming to the States. And I had said, like, hey, do me a favor. Like, I'll ship it wherever. I'll pay you money. I don't – you say it. Um, But it was tough. To hear that and then get stuff shipped from Iran, it was like, how is that possible? But Yeah. Which that one was cool. Um, He worked with me. He They have a weird shipping thing that it doesn't matter how much it weighs once it gets to a certain point. So I just started, like, okay, just start – Piling shit in the box then, man. Like, because his was cheap too. Like, this currency wow. exchange is unreal. Um, I mean, I have some over here that you both, like, I cannot. This is unreal. Like, any Ewok. Yeah. If you're out there creating an Ewok and I haven't seen it, just bill me. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then, I mean, Neil's Jurassic Park little guy. Yeah. Uh, nice. You know, he did the thing... I always go back to it. I think that's it. Oh, and then I have uh, Terrible Toy Works, one of the their boxes. Um, that just unreal. Um, Neil did a weird thing that I think kind of informs how I react to the toy scene. He, uh, we, I was standing there at this table, and uh, Crumbs, I think you have said something kind of around this, where it's like you don't want to take away from, like if you're doing a sale or you're doing something, like I don't want to take away from that space. And I like I want to give that space. And I was standing at his table, um, talking to whoever else. And Neil was talking to someone else. And I, I was buying, and I bought it. And I was like, "Hey, Neil, it's good to see you, man." And I started walking away. And he was like, "Abe, stop! Like, I need, I want to talk to you." And so he finished that conversation, and then we got to talk. And I think that kind of informs now how I go into decon a lot. Like, I'll I'll stand there and wait for forty five minutes if I have to. So that you and I could have a conversation. Um, yeah, it was just a weird, it was cool. I've never had that happen before. It was cool. Yeah, very cool. That's all I got for show and tell. So <laughs> well, just on that point, too, I would say too, like uh Neil Ewing as a whole, like he is a very um he's very open about his appreciation, kindness, or love about something. If he does adore something you do. He is not ashamed to be like boldly upfront and just let you know. And and that is something I think is important. And we do need more people like that in the toy scene that are down to do that, man. Yeah. You put some cotton candy flavored toys over there, I think. And I need to hear about said toys. <laughs> said toys. Let's take a look, man. Uh, I grabbed these two because uh, for a couple of reasons, but yeah, I mean, the poor on, uh, on, on both yeah. of these are, are pretty much insane uh, so that is a i would say cotton candy pink and a little bit of a pastel lime green um voltron uh one it's two unreal. three four wings as well this is by hurt toys 
Um, and that's, you know, full size, uh, regular Voltron. Uh, and then this one, uh, similar, but this one is going to be more of a, like a pink lemonade and the UV work on the both fact of these that you have names just, is un- like uh, yeah. pink lemonade and cotton candy. <laughs> Cotton candy, pink lemonade, man. Those are very catchy, catchy words, but I think that does a good job describing these. Uh, this one almost is, you know, any like stro- soft strawberry candy, right? Like the pink starburst. I'd say that would be a good color for that pink right there. Uh, but together, I mean, I'm starting to build a little army of these Voltrons and they're just, uh, they're sick, man. They're so clean. The pores on them are always um, top notch. And, uh, you know, Hurt Toys is, uh, he's a longtime childhood friend of mine. If I had anybody in the world who I'd say is like a, a brother from another mother, it would be that man right there. And, uh, you know, him and I came into this scene around the same time and uh, kind of started seeing the same stuff and kind of doing this thing together. And he's obviously an incredible artist in so many ways. Uh, but there was definitely a point where he went more the making route and i said you know what i'll just sit here and buy your stuff uh whenever i can and thank you for giving me first dibs mr her toys um but you know that's uh he's just another guy you know that we we talk about a lot and uh you know of quality and pricing and ideas and originality and some of these show pieces that he has and uh just an incredible artist, uh, incredible friend. And it, it's people like that, that I just, I have no problem supporting people like that, you know, uh, male, female, non-binary, whatever you are. Uh, if you're doing work like that and you're just a good person, I mean, you're, you're good with me, man. So, uh, it's fun, you know, and he's just one guy of dozens and dozens and hundreds of people out there, uh, that do just incredible amazing work dude here's another one we'll take a look at this one right there from baba drock so baba drock uh this is one of his latest releases this has that optional bosk head on it i opened this on the show last week if you look at this double cast on this club right here uh that's incredible man that is crystal clear um all resin work nice double cast there uh five points of magnetic articulation uh super crispy clean paint work and Babadrock from the Pacific Northwest uh, up in Oregon, I think, is a great example. We talk about him all the time on the show. Uh, if you you know, want to see what a successful shop looks like, I would hit that guy up. You know, um, His ideas are across the spectrum. They go from, I mean, small non-articulated pieces up to 5.5 articulated pieces um always original always new stuff always doing drops um he is a machine you know we talk about people in the scene that are just machines who just keep on producing producing and it's always good stuff uh and i'd put him in that category for sure he's just uh you know and and that's another guy where you're like shoot man you know, he's a family guy. He's very into nature. He's a great chef. Um, all these different qualities about these people, man, where the um, the toys are just one aspect. You know, it's might be the aspect that I find most fascinating, but um, these are people living their own lives and have a bunch of different interests, and toys just happen to be one of them. He just happens to be incredible in so many ways. 
uh, and the toy making is definitely up there, man. It's just, I mean, you know, something like that for like, you know, 30, 35 ships from Oregon. That's insane, yeah. man. That's uh that that's great work. You know, both hurt. Um, I don't know hurt. Uh, I, I have re I think I reached out in the past week or something to get him on. Um, Hurt sent me a uh, he's one of the only artists this has happened to for me. Sent me this large uh, purple. I, I have no idea what it is, but it has uh, two points of articulation. Mm. Um, usually those don't make it to the shelf, but Hurt his made it to the shelf. It's on. It's in my cabinet, and it like sits in the back. I have no idea what it is. I love it. I know what that is. What is I know it? Exactly. I know. It's one of these, isn't it? Oh hell! Am I about to see identify? Yeah. What is that? Yeah. Exactly, dude. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or that dude, one. Right. I have a purple one. It's so sick. So, um. Great figure, dude. Great figure. And what's very cool about this is here's a quick story about this piece for you. So this piece right here, this was going to be a thing for him. This was going to be a, this was going to be a thing. He had made several of them, more than several of them. And I think I don't think he sold any at all. I might have bought one of these off of him, uh, but but maybe not. Um, Healy used this torso minus the head on a piece okay. and once he saw that he said no I'm not doing it not doing it the only other person to do it is him and and i'm not doing it um and that's how that one ended that one started and ended right there uh it's a great figure uh i believe now i believe this is from this is an old school ghostbusters toy is what that is uh, you'll have to take a look and, and see what that's called, or I'll send you the name of it. Um, he's going to razz me big time for not knowing exactly what this is. But yeah, dude, uh, what is this? So you think this is probably six, six inches. inches? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're right. Uh, magnetic articulation on the arms. Yep. And it's a, it's a great little piece, man. And uh, he is just, he is a different guy. As far as when it comes to the artist, he is very undercover. Um, you talk about sporadic posts, and he might be the king of sporadic posts, uh, which I think, you know, there's a little bit of mystery in there, which I really dig. The downside of that is exactly what we were talking about. You know, when people don't post a lot or consistently enough, you kind of get put to the bottom of the pile, and then all of a sudden, nobody's seeing your stuff. Um, but his posts do pretty good when when he does post. And um, as far as him doing an interview, good luck, brother. Dude, I'm just good luck. We've, every day. We've done 58 episodes. I've probably asked him 59 times to come on to the show. And it's just, it's just not in the cards, man. Maybe someday, maybe someday, but uh I mean, gosh, dude, what a what a great, just a great human in general, man. Love that guy. Yeah, he sent me that out of the blue. Like I I don't think I had talked to him before that. And so I got that and because of just that interaction and because of how big it was it's a piece this is this is how i described it to someone it's a piece that i love that's in my cabinet even if i didn't love it it's so much resin you couldn't have a heart to throw it away like that's true man there's a lot of material in there 
And so no matter what, it made it in that, and it's in the back, and it just sits there. It, I love it. It's on my uh, shelf full of all the bootlegs and stuff. But I, I um, yeah, him and then Baba Drock. Baba Drock was one of my first. This is the here's the sad point of Toys on Tap. I don't share this often. The ones that came on Vimeo. In that in the fair, it was like I had maybe six. It wasn't a lot before I got upset with Vimeo and like realized I can't control camera quality and so much shit. So uh, one of those first ones was Baba Drock and he was on there and I loved having him on. My goal has been to get back to those and give them what they deserve, like put them onto this podcast. The problem is you get inundated with so many toy artists that you forget sometimes and so, Baba Drock, if you're listening to this, here's my sincerest apology. Like, <laughs> it got away from me, and I didn't mean it. <laughs> well, I do it, and I know exactly what you mean, man. We were setting up um, interviews. We were we were going at it. You know, we were trying to line people up, and I think there was a point where we were booked out like three months. Mm-hmm. You know, I had gone to Assembly Required, and I had met a lot of people. And, of course, we start talking about the show. Hey, would love to have you on the show. Everybody there said, yes, absolutely, let me know. Hey, when the schedule clears up, I'll kind of let you know. You know, here we are, however many months later, kind of still waiting for that moment to happen um, for things to clear up. But um, it's tricky, man. You know, you want to have the content, you want to have stuff there that you know is on the schedule. Um, But there's so many people out there, man. And there's just, there's not enough time. There really isn't. There's not enough time. There's not enough shows um, to cover it all. It's just, it's tough. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, yeah, that, I mean, it's unreal to see that amount of work. Uh, Prums, you've got to have your eye on some maker's toys, something that's been going on lately. I got to hear, because you, I, I don't, you've got to have a very specific, uh, other than, okay, okay, hold on, other than one trick pony. We, we know that his toys are top notch. Well, and okay, so admittedly, and B was kind of touched on this earlier as well. Um, if somebody says you know what a good toy is, you really don't because you even touched on it, right? It's so mm-hmm. subjective. Now, the issue is, is that art like Jackson Pollock, you can look at that and be like, I don't connect with that. Doesn't I don't see the skill in that. If you're a super realist, hyper realist painter, you're not going to see the beauty in a Jackson Pollock, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the issue is that we have to almost accept that with toy art, there is this weird fine line where you almost need to know what you like, who makes what you like, because there are certain functionalities we do kind of almost come to expect from a quote unquote toy. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, if we're going to then look at a toy and we're going to say, okay, we are only looking at this mathematically, scientifically, what makes a good cast? What makes a dirty cast versus a super clean one? And I guess if you want to get down to that bottom line of like, how do you basically make a toy better than a factory, but remove all handmade quality of it? That's going to be general purpose, man. I don't know anybody else right now who can make a toy of that quality that I've handled. I bet you Lab Monkey number nine is absolutely right beside him on there. Your Windigo piece looks like it might even be mm. kind of along that same vibe of like that quality. And this is not saying any disrespect mm. to anybody because I like last pulls. I like last runs. I like uh, mold eaters. I, I love Trash Joy Studios. I see the beauty in some of like those rugged Mexican bootlegs. Like I get 
all the different reasons and be said earlier the intents and like the uh backstories as to like like i'll be honest dude epoxy crusader you once you learn that in mexico they have epoxy resin not any of the smooth on resin once you learn that most of them like if what they have experienced as a bootleg is paint 50 of these with a quick paint up throw them in a row sell them for a dollar you start realizing that it's like yeah if, if you take an epoxy crusader put it directly aside a general porpoise and you just say what's a better toy that's so unfair man like you know what i mean because you're not looking at all the other things of like well how do you feel about it mm-hmm. what does it resonate with nostalgia what does it celebrate what's the idea the concept you know like all those things you can't just look at craftsmanship but i would say concept execution craftsmanship general purpose um otherwise that list is too long dude like unfortunately yeah. like b and i talk about it all the time we're at a weird point because um there's like an exponential growth Right. Mm-hmm. And just like how the dudes who started nine years ago, it took them maybe like a year to really figure out like what resins to buy and shit. All of a sudden, dudes starting in 2020, they could go to wherever, grab the right resin, grab the right silicone, cast something up, know how to do a mold. And that growth is now at a point that there are brand new makers that are just killing it. Like they're just so good. And there's like none of this weird trial period. And yet there's still all the other artists who are still fantastic, right? Like, admittedly, like, I didn't go running around the room and grab pieces, but like right in the right of my eye, I'm seeing like the one trick pony that uh, Beat of the J ended up actually grabbing for me, but it's his swamp thing. And in mm-hmm. my opinion, like when you see that swamp thing with the flocking, with the, the tricolored marble on a wooden mounted like piece, you're kind of like, yeah, that, that encompasses it all. That's some art, that's some quality, that's some toy, right? But then you're like, I love the Saruga mark. At the end of the day, like when we're looking at somebody who's just like inspirational, motivational, this guy's like 23, maybe 24. He's gotten at least three or four different, like, um, like probably closer to like five or seven sculpts made into vinyls at production. And I get that a lot of people are like, oh, so what? He made a, a neat sculpt, sent it off for, to a producer. And it's like, yeah, and sold wave after wave after wave of paint taps. And then went and like built his own Safubi production facility out of his garage and is now pulling vinyl for quail toys. Mm-hmm. I don't know many 23 year olds that love this that much that they're like, hey dad, sorry, I'm kicking all your shit out of the garage. I need to build a Safubi pulling lab. So it's like, I, I don't know, man. And every day there's new artists coming out. Like whenever we pull up the accounts for uh, Thursday that are like the under 1000, you can't stop at three. You end up having like six or seven. And what's mind blowing is it's like resin, glassware, soft vinyl, and the accounts will have like, 100 followers maybe 300 and you're just sitting there like how yeah i think there was a um there was a wave that happened in 2020 uh something that was really weird that happened uh that i don't think people take into account because we were all at home getting a massive amount of followers was way easier everyone's on their phones um i posted some of my worst things I've ever made came out that year that I wish I could pay people to get back. Um, I don't know how, like I've reached out to a couple just to see if they're still intact. Like I, I couldn't tell you. Um, yeah. One of the pieces I did grab though, your Yucko crayons, man. This is one, this is a goodie, man. This is definitely a legendary piece. The, the fucking Yucko crayons colors worth dying for. Dope. I got the most shit for that. 
I've ever gotten in my life. A lot of death yes. threats. That's sometimes how art should be, man. That's how you're doing it right. A lot of death threats. A lot of the times it was from like older white guys. And I'd say like, dude, no big deal. Just put one of those crayon bullets in your gun and shoot it at me and we'll see what happens. And they would like get livid from it. Well, and you know what, man? I mean, I think that's one thing that we can really take away from this scene is how you interpret things, right? Like you could on the outside say that's just a very clever that's a clever idea. Mm -hmm. Now, if you look a little deeper and you say, wow, that really brings up gun violence in schools. And mm -hmm. what are we doing about that? Um, it just depends on how deep you want to go. And then I think that's where some people get offended. And it's, um, you know, it's their right to be offended. Um, it's also our right to not care yeah. um, <laughs> if you're offended or not, you know, and that's just the way the world works, unfortunately. And fortunately, that's the way the world works, man. Um but I think it's a great piece. I think it's a great conversation starter, man, for that reason alone is, hey, that's clever. And then you start thinking about it and you're like, wow, that's really clever, man. That uh, That's deep. That's deep, man. When you start thinking about it, um, the tagline, exactly what that is. Um, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a very cool piece, man. I think I made I've four and then I buried it because it like some of the message I was getting – um, it was becoming like people couldn't understand that if we're not going to solve the issue, we might find we need to find a creative way to teach a kid about it. And it was like, uh, dude, I wish I need to probably go back and find some of these messages, but it was so drastic. And we were in such a hell hole in 2020 um, that I was like, OK, let's bury this and let's not talk about it. You almost need to go back, find those messages and death threats, make little cards that you include in the back portion for anybody who buys one. They open it and there'll be a little stack of cards of like, I'm going to fucking shoot you and just have like a little picture of angry white guy eating something with a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was crazy. I, I remember making that um, and thinking the hard part is like, I, I said the phrase, this will be funny when I first started it. And then as I sat there at my table and I started thinking about it, I was like, I don't, I think I stepped on something different. Like it's no longer funny. It's um, during that. So I used to own a lot of guns, um, uh, like whatever guns you could own in California, I was just buying. I loved it. I loved going out shooting. And then there was a, a mass shooting and something clicked in my heart or brain or whatever. I don't know what happened. But it was a moment of like, man, I can't keep giving money to these companies um, because now it's conflicting with what I'm like believing in. So I um, got rid of all of those, uh, all of my guns. I got rid of everything I had. Um, and I just like as I, I was like, this will be funny because I still try to process through it. And then as I stepped on it further, it was like, oh, this isn't funny. This is like a real way that we have to start thinking about hard things. It is, man. I mean, if nothing else, it brings up, I mean, it does exactly what we're doing right now, right? It's a conversation starter in a different way. And I think if progress is going to be made in any way, right, wrong, or indifferent, however you think about it, there's going to be no ground made if we sit on our hands and with tape over our mouths and don't say anything. No, no matter how you bring that up, whether somebody's offended by that, at the end of the day, I think the the point is, is that 
we brought it up and we made you think, hey, what's going on here? And it was this piece that did it. Uh, and there's going to be no movement unless we do talk about it, you know, no matter how hard that conversation is, no matter how drastic that conversation gets uh, or how upset people get. Um, the fact of the matter is, is that's how we're going to move along is, is by talking to these things out. Um, this one is a very, very, very hard um, subject to kind of sort out. Um, I think the further along time that we go, I think you could make the case, you know, for one way or another, you can say, well, even more to this reason or even more to that reason. So yeah. it's one of those ones I don't think we're ever going to solve, you know, but it's um, like I said, man, the piece brings up um, something relevant, something current, something that matters to a lot of people. And when we think about art on that other level of kind of like a gallery piece and what it makes you do and how it makes you think, um, I think that piece fits right in there and there's no reason why it shouldn't be, you know? Yeah. Uh, that was, uh, and to preface this, if you own a gun, good on you. Like that was just my own heartstring. I like, uh, something clicked in myself, not in anyone else's. Um, I think that that was the divisive thing that people started seeing. Like it, it felt like I was attacking people um, and I wasn't trying to, but it is what it is. It, it's a piece that got out and it buried real quick. It's a social commentary for sure. And and I do think it's unfortunate that like if somebody's creating something, it's pretty easy to look the other way. Like, I'll be honest, there's a lot of types of pieces out there that the subject matter is one that doesn't appeal to me, but I look away. I don't have to like it. You yeah. don't have to buy it. Yeah. Uh, I do have a question for both of you. You're over a year now with Toys Alive. You're well over a year now. Where is Toys Alive headed? What are some dreams, some things that you, like, want to breathe into Toys Alive? I think I'm on for toys on tap. Like I'm on display every week and we're like, I'm pushing out whatever I want to do and I'm trying to keep going. Um, but again, I don't have a partner to bounce things off of. And so to have a partner that you guys do, where's toys alive going? I think this is a great question for both of us. Crumps. I'll go first. If you don't mind, man. Um, it, uh, Dude, it's tough. You know, there's a lot of ideas going back and forth. I think that we are both fortunate in the sense that we uh, can bounce those ideas off of each other. The problem with that is Crumbs has a lot of great ideas. I have some pretty okay ideas. When you mix that all together, it's like, man, there's a lot of ideas to choose from. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have discussions, I would say, almost daily. I think we try to back off of each other a little bit on the weekends mm -hmm. uh, just to kind of at least, you know, come up for air a little bit and say, okay, let's, like, what are we doing? We, there is other stuff in our lives that we have to attend to. Um, but, it, it, you know, there's segments that we've been talking about uh, that we're definitely going to get into. Um, you know, I think having a, a more segmented show is something that we both went into this thing, kind of the game plan was to do a segmented show. Uh, I would say some weeks we hit that some weeks we don't. Um, uh, I think it's, you know, the whole idea around a segmented show is, Hey, this is really going to help us stay on schedule and we're going to hit two hours and it's going to be this, you know, great thing. And it's still a great thing, but the schedule goes out the window. And before you know it, 
it's been four hours yeah. and we haven't talked a lot about toys and uh, we're talking about other stuff and that's just the way it goes, man. So, uh, but you know, so what we're on what 59 episodes now, um, we still don't have stickers yet. The stickers that I've been giving out are stickers that people have been making for us and they just send them to me. And I'm just like, Oh, that's awesome, man. Thank you. I will absolutely hand those out. Um, uncle spank, big shout out to uncle spank, man. This guy, he's got a hot sauce going on and he threw our sticker on uh, a bunch of bottles of hot sauce. So number one, hit uncle spank up for some hot sauce. Uh, number two, it's, that's what I'm saying, man. We're like, there's a lot of ideas. Um, it's a, it's slow going, you know, it's not a full-time job for either one of us. It's definitely something that we do in our spare time. Sometimes we do it a little bit more than, than other things, but, um, you know, the show is, is definitely going to continue. I know that we're on the verge of a, a little bit of a large announcement with assembly required. Um, uh, we're going to be heavily involved in that, uh, in this coming year. So, um, I think just, you know, really showing our support, uh, and kind of doing what we're doing, uh, you know, trying to spread the word about some of these accounts. Uh, it's it's kind of hard to say, well, that's what we're going to do is just we're going to keep on doing what we're doing. But uh, I really feel like that, man. I think we're going to keep on doing what we're doing. We're going to try to tweak it here and there. Uh, and it's going to grow. I mean, I think we're on a, a pretty good uh, upswing right now where it feels like everything's growing really organically and the people that are with us and that tune into the show and that follow are people that really want to be there uh and and that's what it's all about so um who knows man I, who who knows what's going to happen but uh you know i have every intention of being here until until further notice so problems what you got for me yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna take the ball because b kind of nailed it and admittedly so I would say it probably took us up until almost a year, even until we kind of figured out whose strengths were what on the team, right? Even just that. And I think both of us, uh, where that issue lay, lies is both of us didn't want to be over-controlling. Neither one of us wanted to seem like we were like stepping in, being like, I know what's best. I'm going to do this. But at the same time, once we figured out who's good at what, it was fine for you to just fucking run with that, man. That's your thing. Run with that part, right? And we have kind of figured out like that flow and who's good at what. Um, I think the, as far as the show goes, we both acknowledge that one, we love the community aspect of it, but we've received enough comments from other people who have mentioned that that's where they have personally met other people. It might not even be that that's where they get their community from, but they've met people in there. Just like you were like, I don't know where I find my tribe. They went there and they were like, damn, man, I've met so-and-so and now I've, I've got my click, right? Like because of that. So I think that's probably the most important part. So having Toys Alive happening is important. Like B said with segments, you know, the idea of having so many of you have very specific skill sets to bring somebody in and not just be an interview, but you be like, I'm going to show how to, sorry, how to mold today, <laughs> right? That's way different. Somebody saying, I'm going to show you how to like do a marbling technique and it be almost just like a 45 minute, like straight up, like educational section where us dummies are sitting there being like, oh, that'd be dope. But I think in order to expand it bigger and better. And like, part of that is, is like, be kind of touched on it. Like our, our logo for our stickers, right? We have been working with an artist where like, it's partially us just being so like indecisive. But one of the main things we do know we want is like, you know, that Frankenstein head. Mm -hmm. And even being, I knew from the very beginning, right? We want this mascot there. That's gonna be toy fueled Frank, right? And already what's happening is we were like, 
down the line one day it'd be sick if we like have a toy field frank toy by that artist and like one's a 3.5 and one's actually a a 3d printed and one's actually a sculpture but it would be cool if we could approach different artists and have like that mascot turned into different toys right and all of a sudden like our homies from that community were like the boys don't have stickers yet well i'm gonna steal their logo and make some stickers for them because they must just not know how so i'm gonna get them some stickers you know what i mean and like shirts hot sauce and what's kind of jokes is like we never put all that stuff out there but like there's even toys with our logo on there like there are toys that exist out there that b knows of i know of where it's either been uh put in a sticker put on there sealed in or it's been 3d printed on the sculpt and you're just like that's pretty fucking wild and it will be pretty neat even when we do finish that logo that it's kind of like that evolution of time where like we had nothing to even do with that that was you guys just being generous and giving back into like what we do um and so that's where i think that the biggest part of all of this is yeah supporting and everything else but b and i both acknowledge me buying a piece him buying a piece isn't the same as talking to 30 people 100 people 200 people and convincing them that piece made us fucking stoked and if two other people outside of us buy that piece and they word of mouth it to somebody or four people or right and the whole idea is like it's great we can't buy every one of your toys but if we can get more people knowing about you and buying your toys that's even way bigger and better and we've discussed it even like right at the very beginning i think we both know the dream is yes have the show going but always looking at a bigger and better way that we could potentially be supporting these artists in a way that like us as two could never possibly do and I know that like even B going to conventions, B working with like talking to you about setting things up, working with E2K about setting things up, right? I think even like the natural progression would be like, try and throw a show, see how it goes. Try and bring a couple pieces with you at a show, see how it goes. Um, we've often discussed like where we kind of end up getting hitting roadblocks is like, are we a global collective? Are we a Canadian collective? Are we an American collective? Are we a non-for-profit? Are we an artist? Like, and so even if you want to start applying for grants, licensing certain things, registering certain things, you certainly start entering into kind of like, well, shit, come tax season, where are we going with this, right? And even that becomes a bit of like a complicated thing where it's like we're both trying to make sure that in outside of all the day-to-day -day lives, we're making sure that we're trying to move this in a way where it's not going to overwhelm us, but at the same time that we have an idea. And so I think that the greater idea would be keep doing the show but also find new and better and bigger avenues. Like even yourself, you've got toys on tap, but now you've found this like uh, bootleg market, like that mm. black market. That's a whole other avenue, right? You're sitting there going, it's great. I can get people to listen to the podcast and interested to go to their page and buy their pieces. How do I just ram the pieces down their throat and make them buy them? Yeah. I think my favorite thing about which, by the way, we lost B somehow. I don't know what happened. Um, I'm assuming he'll pop back on. Um, the my favorite thing about the market is when I reach out to these artists because it's um the sad part too is like it's only open to artists that have been on the podcast. That way, it kind of narrows my focus a little bit. It's it's for for anyone listening. It's for me, not for everyone, so that I can narrow it. So um, as they uh, I reach out and they um come on, I. I love to tell them like, I'm not going to take, I don't want to cut of any of this because we're just sitting and hanging out and you're catching me up and catching up um, the co-host this 
with like all the time that it's been since you've been on the podcast and and um and then you just slang your wares that is your and i my uh the cool part about that is that people do it and they they do well um uh colin has been jumped on and that was the quickest i've seen it he had made the post earlier that day and he opened his mouth and everyone claimed when he he was unique too because i was like the only way to get it it wasn't like these were pieces that were available from his site or something these were he made it clear like i'm selling these on the toys on tap aftermarket like black market bootleg yeah and though i mean it'll by the time this airs it would have happened on friday the cool part about or the ones that i'm reaching out um it was the ones that i knew were at five points and it's like i know you might have some stock i got a show for you and so uh, I think that's where that's birthing. But it's it's cool to see where you guys are coming out of Toys Alive. I think I struggle. I'm uh, in March. I hit three years with Toys on Tap, and I still struggle figuring out like is podcast the end? Is conglomerate the end? Is it a toy company? I don't know. That's just it. And you know we're very fortunate, I think, because in the very least we do have like Dove. Dove Kelmer is, I would say, like the. I don't even want to like. I, I don't. I mean, when I say this, I'm not undermining what they do, but they're like the base of where we should be thinking we could be aiming. Mm-hmm. If there's the possibility of being able to help artists on a grander scale, DKE has basically drawn out like the original blueprint and being like, "Hey, if you can do this better and find a bigger, better mm-hmm. way of supporting these guys, here's what I've done." Because it's pretty easy to like look at how Dove and DKE operates and be like, shit, like when you think about it, all you can really do is hit that and do more. That's all you can do. Yeah. And they, you know, with starting, uh, they had, what was the last one? DKE Con popped on. Um, they did one, I, I can't remember, they did the hour long show or the day show and then didn't do it again. Um, and then started doing their weekly show. So they like, you saw immediately where they were picking up, which was cool to see. Um, so I think even they are looking at this to see like, where are we headed? I think what's interesting and, and it's not like a, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Um, but I think I would agree, man. Like they'd stopped doing podcast type content thinking like maybe this wasn't where the space is, you know, during COVID people were home, they were going to pay attention. This is why they're going to pay attention to this stuff. Um, and then I think they kind of dialed it back because you understand it's so much time, so much energy, right? And when you're running a business, like again, Dove is very business mindset. So if you're looking at the numbers, you're looking at the time you're putting in, the energy putting in, and you're not seeing that return, you're going to cut that first. Like, and and I think that's happening. But now I think they're seeing it's the biggest thing, man, the community. And, and that's really hard to get across. Like, I think, honestly, even with us, we're very lucky because it's that chat. That live chat is literally like the bread. It's the blood, man. Because mm-hmm. there's times that they like they know drops we've missed. They know what artist made a toy if we missed it. They know the details of a piece if we don't know how it was made. And we'll look over and also like, oh, they're saying it was actually um, hand sculpted and you're like, okay, thanks guys. Like that's a big part of it, man. I think people like to feel as though they can participate. That's just it. The one way that I think that my 
that Toys on Tap falls very short. Um, and just I was giving something to the community, but I wasn't giving a space. And so when you guys started Toys Alive, curious, you guys um gave a space immediately and was were started doing what Toys on Tap was doing and like then unboxings and then like we're doing so much stuff that it was like this is a perfect it it was like <laughs> you're back um God. it was perfect to be able to say to people if you want more go to toys alive they're doing something that i can't and i probably will never do i don't know how to well you know what was really really interesting in my opinion is like um when we started noticing somebody would actually be like talking in the chat and be like oh so and so i just grabbed one of those pieces and otherwise, like, we'd pick up a piece and they'd be like, they'd go and they'd buy it right away and just let us know, like, are there any more of those left? Like, I just bought one right now. And you're like, holy crap, last episode we showed one. And, and you're hearing people are buying stuff in there. It, it's bizarre that it just, it happens, man. And, like, it, again, I don't think it's us. I think it really is them. Because what's so bizarre is, like, I Need Toys is a great example of it's, like, if we bring him in, almost all of his unboxings will be either a piece that B unboxed recently or an artist that we showcased in one of our under 1000. Mm. And it's just so crazy to see that it's like, you might have seven packages there and they're all ones that we've like brought up their account at some point in the last month or two. And so it is kind of insane to see that like when somebody is sitting there going, I want to buy a toy, I've got X amount of my budget. How do I guarantee a win? And they're like, seeing B open one they're seeing everybody in the chat go oh yeah those look so good i've seen their work and they're like you know what i think that's a good place to put my money it seems like a sure bet yeah i think um you know the the little pieces that i I, i'm really happy that i'm seeing we have all seen the different things that have fallen apart um and and maybe that's the wrong terms but we'll we'll go with that um killer bootlegs had a toy podcast that he got too busy for it was really good i didn't know about it until i'd started and i wish i would have retroactively listened before i started because he did it well um and so like i'm always whenever killer comes on i'm always indebted to say like this space is yours um and then open it already i they did unboxings and then it like fell apart um, and then there's other people who have done toy reviews and it has fallen apart. And the cool part about, I think, both of our shows is we're picking up these things that people ran out of time for or like just couldn't continue and slamming all of it into two shows. And it is um, an overabundance. I mean, it's probably like an overabundance of content because we're just shooting them. No, but see, and and I tell us all the time, like, and and it is no bullshit. It's been I've been saying it since probably even like the beginning of when I'd be doing mine and you'd be doing toys on tap when I was doing this interview stuff. In my brain, it's like, okay, if we know that there are so many friggin' artists in this scene, that there's no possible way that one podcast could cover them all. Isn't it kind of a good thing if your main mission is making sure that all the indie artists feel like the spotlight's putting put on them? Isn't it actually beneficial to have more people covering the plates? Because if we can't get them all, why just not spotlight them? So it's like, I love even the Dove one. Like, it was sick to me recently to see Simeon Chi's post that his piece made the guys on the DKE show laugh. And you're like, hell yeah, 
the boys over at DKE are opening up a Simeon cheese piece. Like that's how it needs to go. Like that's what's up. Like that finding other accounts and then celebrating work that's kind of outside of what your normal wheelhouse is. Even that is a huge benefit. Every time you bring in an artist for an interview, if they're like a vinyl to 3D print to a model maker, that just celebrates a whole new area of the market that like we're not even maybe looking at or aware of. And uh, if people don't know, it is extremely easy to get through the heavy hitters because there is a, because of what we were talking about earlier, how we're seeing drop off now, we're seeing people um, that get busy. Um, I can list the ones that I know of that are like probably wave one. Like I, I've had Sucklord on for uh, six episodes. Like I've had Killer on for two or three. I've had uh, Barbarian and Dollar Slide. Like I've had all these people on there. And so now it's like because they're, you're able to get to them, like I want to know who's next. Like I want to know – like I, I, something in me just wants to know like who's like the artist Brian that just popped out. Or- yeah like well the brian flynn's so um that like i do have some that are on my list that i can't get to right like brian flynn i don't know how to get to him cause i don't know how to get to him um kid robot i want to do a a big thing with them um because this toys on tap i think I've kind of like my my site got recentered a little bit where it was like all things toys. And so if you're like even relatively in the toy scene, you're welcome in this space. Um the problem is then that sometimes makers like I could go seven episodes before I hit another resin toy maker, or I could do nine episodes of resin toy makers and have to kill myself to find another one. So, yeah, um, you know, just going back to what you're saying, man, that, you know, the, the different shows, uh, I think that's important what you said, because I think all of our shows are different enough to where, you know, the community needs a Toys Alive, the community needs a Toys on Tap, the community needs a bootleg market, the community needs something that Dove is doing, where it's kind of like a hybrid of maybe all of our stuff. You know what I mean? Uh, it's recorded, but it's it's kind of recorded. It's kind of live. He's got great guests on there. Um, but I think all that stuff is is important just for variety to kind of keep to kind of keep it going. Um, yeah, yeah, that's it. We um, <laughs> the you know we're trying to figure. out – I did. I I felt okay. B, this is for you. I felt on a high because of something that you'd said. Okay. I uh so crumbs I was sending uh him like who's going to be on the marketplace this uh Friday. And I sent him a list and he goes, "I know all of them except and it was like I found one." Like that's always the struggle, right? Like we go through all three of us are going through toy artists constantly. Uh it's the problematic cuz now it's like so international that we're cycling through countries now. Um but it was Weston Harris he makes these like fantastic golems that have the best story behind them. Um, he makes uh, he is in the process of 3D printing these crystal astronaut looking things. Uh, fantastic guy. Uh, but it was cool. I had never it was like, oh, we finally have one that we can like that we both don't know everything about. 
Dude, and you know what? When you put that name out there, I looked up his account, and I'm just like, oh, man, I'm already following this guy. Yeah. But it's another it's, one to where it gets buried, and I'm yeah. just like, well, those yeah, golems sounds familiar. buried, unfortunately. Because like, we yeah. looked at the golems with, like, the bandages over the, the cuts. Yep. But now we've yeah. got all these, like, Gundam-looking guys. Which, oh, yeah, he's a big Gundam guy. Which, do you guys know the story behind the golem? No. Oh my, it is the great, it's such a fun, like there's so much into it. I'm going to paraphrase the shit out of it. And Wesson Harris, I'm so sorry. Um, uh, This golem is uh, in the folklore about it. This rabbi goes and his people are being persecuted. And so he goes down to this, uh, the side of, I think a, a river or something and builds this golem out of clay. And it is this golem that they can call on to protect his people whenever they're in trouble. And so when he created this bad boy and they're all resin cast, he made this little version of it, but it has so much heart and like story in that little piece. That's the, like, if anyone's wondering, like, there's always a piece that will bring me back to the reason I do it. And that's, that's the piece for me. Like this, that has such a good message. That's dope, man. That's a anytime that you can add on a story like that to it, I think that does um man so much more for the piece. I I know for a fact that I have pieces based on the story rather than the piece, you know, and the piece just happens to be uh kind of a symbol of that story, uh, which is uh it's just a, it's just another cool thing, man. I'm excited. I'm excited to meet this guy. And uh, it's got some really cool work, man. It's just, there's so many people out there that just goes to show you, man, I follow a lot of people um, and there's always some to come across. There's still that I see every day that I'm like, who is that? Mm -hmm. I mean, we do a segment on it every week where people are just like, who is that? This guy's got 200 followers. Who is that? Yeah. I do it with you guys, with your guys' show a lot. It'll be on, and uh, I, what I'll do is I'll put it on my TV, and I'll be painting, or I'll be editing, or something. And you guys will say something, and I'm like, okay, pa- pa- pause, let's go back. And then I have to like the the problem is I'll go back to where you guys said it. I'll look up the artist, but by the time I push play, you guys have moved on. So now I gotta like <laughs> like speed through, the, and I'm always behind. And so by the time I catch up again, um, I I hear things like. Toys Alive, how are you? But it was like seven minutes ago. I don't even respond at that point because it's like the chat just like left me behind. Jazz Wizard has made five cum jokes by then, and I just can't. <laughs> Dude, isn't it funny, though, like how how fast time goes? Because I feel like we rush through stuff a lot, you know, and next thing you know, it turns into four hours of rushing through stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like we're rushing through things, but there's so many things to rush through. Um, like I said, we go. It goes back to that content thing. Um, there's just so much, you know, and you can kind of create your own by exactly what we're talking about right now. What does this piece do for you? Is it how it's made? Is it the artist? Is it the story? What is it? You know, you can go. You could do a two-hour show on each one of those things that I just named. You know? Yeah, and think, and I, uh, the hard part too is like. Uh, even when I held up the Tarvis, all of us were like, we each said something different. Like I articulated, you said something, the color, Crumb said something. And it's like, those shows would get, they would be passion from us. 
but they would probably be pretty boring for other people to hear if we were like, we're going to spend two hours on this three and a half inch piece and you're going to be here for all of it. And <laughs> it's like, I, it's tough. It's tough. I, I have to like mitigate like my compliments when people come on, I got to like be careful how I structure things, how I spend time. And that's what, um, I, I don't know. You guys just have such a cooler form. Don't like you're saying like you want to segment it up. Don't do it. When you segment it up, you lose so much freedom. And it's like, I don't, there's episodes where I want to tap into something, but we've been on for like an hour and 45 minutes. Like that's just going to go away. And hopefully you come on again. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, and that's funny, man. We have, um, gosh, dude, it is, you know, you look back at some of the episodes, you think kind of how they, how they played out. Uh, we we hardly ever go in there with a plan uh, unless the artist has a plan, you know, that they want to kind of roll out and say, hey, I, I'm in a time crunch or I want to come on early. I want to come on late. I only want to be on for 20 minutes or whatever it is. Uh, and then there's other guys like when we had Healy on at the end of the year um, last year, we were like, hey, man, your show tonight will stop whenever you say stop. And that turned into a three hour conversation. Um, and sometimes it just goes like that, man. It's just. Uh, you just you just never know. Um, you're right, dude. It the segment thing, uh, positives and negatives, right? Like we always shoot for it, and then you know sometimes we kind of halfway do it, <laughs> and yeah. other times we don't, we don't even come close. If you go back through uh, old toys on tap episodes, and not even like not that old, maybe like six weeks ago, there's moments where you'll hear me say like, "Oh, and we're gonna try this new thing," where it's like, "What's your tips and trick for the new person?" That lasted like two episodes, and there was a reason. It took up too much time away from the artist. I was gambling, trying to get them to say something, but I lost pieces of that. So I was like, right, we'll cut it. I'm out of it. Sometimes I. what's trippy is it's so not a thing to them that they don't even know. Like, mm -hmm. I was, like B and I have talked about this more, man. Like, you'll literally, like, you'll tell them, like, dude, like, that's amazing. Like, how did you do that paint app? They're like, Oh, I just I just painted it one night. <laughs> and like, no, for real though. Like, you know, do you use any special paints? Like, do you have a uh, you know, just acrylics? Uh seas. You're like, all right, all right. <laughs> yeah. I I get that sometimes. <laughs> they come on. There's been a couple that have come on and I've said things like, oh, like, what's your process? Uh I think I glue the toy down, I just pour the mold stuff on it. Like, help me, help me help you right now. Yeah. Yeah. But efficient for, uh, and then you always want to try to avoid those awkward pauses, man. And I think the more you try to avoid it, the more apparent they become when they actually happen. Uh, I think everybody kind of scrambles there for a minute. And, uh, but it's fun, man. I mean, it, it that just goes to show how many different personalities are in this community, right? There's some people who will get on there and will talk for as long as you let them talk. Uh, and there's other people who are, you can tell from the get-go, they're like, get me out of here. Ask me whatever you want to ask me. Um, you got about 10 minutes to do it, and we're moving on. I got other things to do. I got something in the pressure pot I'm trying to pull out right now. Yeah. Um, I had it's, it's funny, man. I had obvious plant on. Um, mm -hmm. Super fun guy. Uh, makes some of the craziest stuff I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I... Uh, if we pause there, Crumbs, where would you put him in the toy scene? I don't know what I would classify that as. 
like they're like memes, man. But like, I, from my understanding, I think like that genre of toy is called shitty toys. But I think that's like no different than data art, right? Like it's almost like intentionally ironic to be like, oh, like it's just a shitty toy, you know? And it's kind of like any toy that's like a gimmick or a play or like in the case of obvious plant, like imagine if you were trying to buy what typically like the header is, but you were getting what was in the package. Mm. That's kind of a shitty toy. Okay. You know, I think it's a gag. Okay. That makes, so he uh, came on and he, um, I don't know if he advertises much, but he's like a stand-up comedian or he does like that kind of stuff. Um. It, my dumb brain was like, awesome. We're going to gab it up like two schoolgirls. We're not going to stop talking. <laughs> when someone does that for their job, that's not so true. And I, it was still new for me, and I wasn't asking like leading questions and doing certain things. And so like, thank God I learned how to edit because my because of my own self, and I wasn't asking certain things. There were like – just so we're clear, if you, if this ever comes up on your show, we had like minute and a half pauses. That's do you <laughs> do you know what it's like when dude the internet's I, not off and you're trying to negotiate? Do I just pretend that Zoom is frozen because I don't know what to do? <laughs> so during COVID, when I'd be doing interviews with artists. Some of those interviews would go so long. They'd be like four and a half hours that you're editing. I have one that I kid you not is eight hours because the issue is, and you don't think about it and there's no criticism on these people, but we don't know going into it how long they've been alone for. And you might be like technically the first person who gives a shit about anything they do. They've talked to in like forever and they have a lot to say. Yeah. The, the people that become Buddy the Elf when they jump on the interview, it's it's like, I saw a dog today. Awesome. What kind of toys are you making? <laughs> it's it's my favorite. It's my favorite. Uh, I think uh, the people that are um, the harder ones to interview, um, and I think uh, uh, Hella Radical would say this too, putting him in an interview is tough because we had two and a half years or three years of friendship and talking so then i have to start over and pretend like i don't know and say like tell me when you started i know when you started let's just hang out on this thing yeah you're like catching everybody else up yeah and so uh, i think those are always tougher and then reaching out to have you guys um i've never heard of her before i found her the other day nicole ham toys (laughs) toy maker Um, she, uh, they're cool toys, but, uh, again, it's like, like you're now coming on. I, I think that's where toys on tap, it's harder to find, um, non-male people in the toy scene. And so it's like, how do I open this up? White heterosexual. Male. Right. I'm glad you said it. Say it again for the people in the back, because, man. <laughs> Unfortunately. Well, but, and you know what? This actually enters into an issue because we're all three of us cis heterosexual males. Yeah. And the issue ends up becoming we can't, all we can do is create a space that we hope is safe. We cannot try and convince anybody, even other white cis heterosexual men, to join that space. But we can always try and make sure we're doing our best to make it a safe space. For anybody right that, i think that's the important thing 
So I've made it like I reached out. I was like, hey, come on. Like, and she was all about it. Here, the problem though, like I've never interacted with her. So this is those types of interviews are always fun because she has no idea what I look like. She has no idea what I'm gonna say. Um, and those are those are really fun. Um I think some of the yeah, you just meet all kinds of people. Let's I can leave it at that. You meet all kinds of people. I think it's uh I can say this that it has been my favorite thing to do and then watch other things start around it. Um I think I got a message one time. God, I I'm sorry if you're listening. I can't remember who you were that sent me this message. Um, they said something that you guys, so you guys are creating this, what they told me about, um, you guys have a community. I was telling crumbs about this while you were dilly dallying with your internet. Um, (laughs) so, uh, you guys create the space toys on tap, um, created a thing that was like, Oh, I'm just going to get artists out there. You guys do that. And then gave a space and I miss, I can't do that. And so it's awesome. And someone, the space that I think I'm inadvertently doing, someone sent me a message and said, the show at E2K, people were talking about an artist you had on Toys on Tap, and you gave me a connecting point to communicate with other people. That. Yeah. That is the most important thing, man. That hits, that is where it goes beyond the toys all the time. Yeah, like I gave you a reason to feel connected to a community that we always start out by saying it's welcoming and great, like awesome. And so that was cool. That that was like the moment that I felt like toys on top was real. And, and that just kind of underlines <clears throat> kind of the relationship, right? When we, when we meet people in this community of that one thing that brought us together, uh, which is the toys, but now even getting more specific, it's like, Hey, uh, I like this community too. And I saw you on toys on tap or mm-hmm. I saw your piece on toys alive. Uh, and it gives you that instant connection of, you know, the artist saying, yeah, that was a great interview, man. Uh, Abe's a great guy. Conversation takes off. Um, just another really cool thing, man. And, and, you know, like we said before, I think this community is mostly made up of people that are a little bit more introverted. Yeah. Um, and so when you give them something like that to, um, say to somebody, hey, you know, this is a really easy in for a conversation. Um, and then just the amount of different people, man, one t- one thing that I noticed a lot at Assembly Required was now the way that Assembly Required was set up in North Carolina is that it was mostly you could drive there, but it was kind of like a walking event too. And just the demographic of people that were in there, you know, older people bringing their grandkids in, parents bringing their kids in because they see toy show uh you know, other family members are supporting the artists that are there. Um, it really does cover a large, large audience. Um, and that's good to see, man. I think that it's it's going to spread even more and get even more diverse, uh, you know, the further along that we go. And like you said, man, I think that we're here uh, to kind of create a space where people, you know, feel okay to do that on a weekly basis. Yeah, and I think what's cool, I mean, until I die or until people stop creating toys, uh, I would think you both would say the same. Like, our shows can continue, which is nice. Um, And on the flip side, if anyone's wondering, all three of us do not make a living off of these shows. This is definitely love letters to the toy scene. Like, if you ever think that I make 
money off this. It's like just off of base stuff, right? Like I, someone's got to host this podcast. Someone's yeah. got it. Like I have to edit. Someone's got like, it is a labor of love that I do on top of a 40 to 60 hour work week, because this is, this is where I feel home. I, I would also say though, just like, cause this is what we can do. What's so yeah. weird to me is I'm like, cause I always think to myself, but like, but so do most of the makers. There's very, very few makers who are even pricing in a way where like they're, they're making anything. Mm-hmm. So like, they really are here just to celebrate as well as well. Like they're getting to be creative and express themselves creatively, but so are we doing our shows. And otherwise like they're also pouring in that money, that time outside of their, their normal work. And like, I don't know, like B said earlier, there's very, very, very few of them that are making a living off of this. Yeah, man. And I, I feel, you know, it's hard for me. I think the ultimate dream, I think for a lot of us would be, man, if we can make a, a, a good living at doing this, that'd be great. How do we make that happen? Is that realistic? I don't know. I mean, right now it's not obviously, um, or I think we'd be doing it or be, we'd be working towards, towards doing it. But, um, you know, on the other hand, I feel like we are such a steward, like we are such a servant of the artist. I think both shows are. I think our intent for what we're doing is to push the scene forward, is to get more artists shown. Um, and so it's hard to come back and say, man, how do I profit from that? Uh, right. It almost seems like you're putting the artist in kind of a a situation that it's like, now, wait a minute. Now I'm expecting to get money from you because let's be honest, man, like a lot of the people that are in this communities are artists as well. I would say the the high majority of people that watch our show um, are artists as well. And so, and, you know, we've been going back and forth about that. You know, you talked about things that we have uh, have, uh, going on in the future. Yeah, we'd like to have a Patreon that would cover shipping costs and stickers and swag and stuff like that. But um, it almost feels a little bit taboo to put your hand out and ask and say, hey, uh, we need a little bit of help to keep this thing going. Because me personally, I just feel like it's the exact opposite. Like, I'm here to help. What can I do? Tell me what I can do to help you. If that means, like, buying some gift cards or giving stuff away to kind of keep everybody motivated and um, enthused about what's going on, yeah, that's cool. That, to me, seems like a very, very small price to pay um, to see the benefit for so many people on the other end. So it's just a it's a tricky subject, man, to bring up of how do you um, – profit and turn this thing that we are so freaking passionate about i think all three of us would agree that um we're very passionate about this man um and when you mix something like that in there and then try to profit off of it in any way uh i'm not saying it can't be done it's just a very it just kind of puts your mind in this thing of what is the right way to go about this to where we don't look like we're here to profit off people because we want the exact opposite of that we want to say, hey, we're here to help. How can we help you? You want to come on my show and, and and talk for an hour about your stuff? You want to give away some stuff and plug whatever you want? Absolutely, go ahead. And that's free. We'll, yeah. we'll send your shit out for free. Zero dollars, you know? When I started um, Toys on Tap, because here's the, the, the reverse, right? Toys on Tap does have a, a Patreon. And I remember having those conversations with my wife when I first started Toys on Tap. And I said, listen. Like realistic small costs, twelve ninety nine a month to have someone host the podcast, 
it is what it is. It's a streaming service, basically. Um, but I need a mic. I need headphones. I need like basic stuff to get this rolling. Um, and she saw the passion and said, like, yeah, let's roll with this. And um, I think because when I'm creative, like everything else in my life just evens out. And when I started the Patreon, uh, we had another conversation. I said, listen, um, this is great and it will help the show. Uh, but this money's really just going back into artists' hands. And it's really just if I'm not what it goes to is like I'm sending an artist um uh sticker packs and merch packs that just to thank them for being on and getting that to them. And so it's a cool moment where money is coming in and people are like, oh, this is to support the show. This is to support other artists. I have a backlog of like 128 artists that you are now supporting by doing this. And so it's like, um, I think that's the wrestling that I've had to do with it because you're, I think you're hitting it perfectly. Like I never want to profit off this community. I always want to give back, even if it means doing the dollar exchange and being the bank that's like, Oh yeah, that's fine. I'll take this $12 and give it to this person. Anyways. Um, I think that's cool. Um, and then being able to send out stuff to say thank you. You know, and that kind of goes back to what we were saying about, um, yeah, it would be cool to have that stuff, um, you know, covered for or partially paid for. Is it a deal breaker for me? No, it's not. Um, I think it's worth it. I think it's, you know, I think the uh, the good portion of it is far outweighs the money that I'm out. You know what I mean? Um, if it was a struggle for me or if I was not paying bills because of it, it would be a different story for sure. Um, but, it, you know, like I said, it's just for me, it's it's part of the deal. Um, yeah, it really is. You know, and it's just. We got to take a hit sometimes, man. And, yeah. uh, it, you know, the international orders, those ones, you take a little bit of a bigger hit. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's been fun like figuring out how to do those and kind of like negotiating how i do uh, international they're not as expensive as they once were um yeah i would say that because i've grown smarter and use different companies i can get things to canada for 11 bucks i can get things to australia for 17 bucks so it's mm -hmm. like it's a negotiation but it's like um you live and you learn and i think people will know when it becomes too much just off the basis that things aren't going out. Yeah. But until that point happens, until my heart stops beating, this is where I'm at. And this is the, the place um, that I'm excited to be at. Uh, but Hey, we have been on for two hours. This show, I originally slotted it for an hour. And then I, I was like, no, no hour and a half will be good. And then two, here we are. Um, so this is how I think the best way to do it, uh, to end it. Um, tell me, we're going to end it in two ways. One, each one of you are going to tell me two things that you love about Toys Alive and the people that are a part of it. And then you're going to plug all your stuff. Promise have at it, buddy. There you go. Um, I'll be completely honest, man. I think the biggest thing for me is um, it has definitely been very humbling 
There are times that I meet individuals that have told me that I am actually much, um, and it's funny because I would not say I'm an emotionally intelligent person or that I am um, a very intuitive person. But what's insane is you talk to and meet hundreds of people from around the globe coming from different situations. And it is incredibly humbling. It is incredibly educational. Um, and you kind of hit it earlier too, man. Like when you hear from somebody else that they found community because of you, and you might not even be a part of that community they've found. You just happened to be the catalyst to it. That's the best part, man. That's easily the best part. And knowing every single Thursday, like, and it sounds weird, but like, I know at least B is going to be there. I don't know what the hell I'm doing Thursday night, but I know it sure as hell at least B is going to be there, man. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's kind of nice that like, when you talk about routine ritual rhythms um, and last thing that to kind of add on there, you know, I actually think in some ways, this toy scene as a whole, not just toys alive, but this toy scene as a whole, it's kind of like a fountain of youth, man. When you find out some of these cats are like 60 years old, Personally, I know 60-year-olds that are like, they, they just are done. They just like, they're using that walker. They're not really talking to people besides the barista at the coffee shop. Like, they're just kind of done. And yet the amount of dudes who show up, watch your podcast, because even in the chat, we'll, we'll see them talking about the podcasts. And then like B's talking about, they're then messaging the artists that you ended up interviewing. It's creating this uh, like a whole other social like structure and um, culture for people at an age demographic where normally their social is going way down it's actually increased that that that's our target demographic it's just humbling man yeah all right b um you know a couple things i i think i think crumbs really hit it on the head there with kind of the camaraderie aspect of what we do uh, and we say it as a joke almost every week that we only talk about toys. And we usually say that when we're not talking about toys. Um, and I think that is kind of a, you know, I don't, that obviously that wasn't the intention behind it. But once you get into it and you start doing the show and you see the passion and you see what the show means to other people, that's when it becomes about something. Um, other than the toys and for me at this point it is 100 percent um it's absolutely about the toys i love them i think there's amazing people out there making amazing pieces of work and honestly i want to buy them all but on the flip side of that if i didn't buy any pieces at all if i had zero dollars i would still be a part of this community because of how it makes me feel um they are good people they are people who understand they are people who listen uh, there are people that will give you advice when you need advice, and they won't when you don't. Um, but it's just a very – it's interesting, man. Uh, we talk about mental illness on this show a lot and what that means to certain people. And you know, let's be honest, dude, our demographic, right? Our demographic struggles with that big time. Uh, we like to talk about stuff like that, that, hey, if there's anybody out there that does need somebody to talk to or wants to talk about something that's going on in your life or maybe just wants to talk to take your mind off of stuff, do you want to vent to me or do you want to uh, or do you want me to take your mind off of whatever it is that you're going through? And I think we can really offer both. Uh, for me, that's the biggest part, the passion of people uh, that they have towards this community is insane. When we first started doing this show, it happened very organically. 
And we literally fell ass backwards into this thing for 59 weeks. It 100% started as Crumbs and I talking at various points and saying, hey, I got a box to open. You want to see it? Uh, and after I neglected, you know, a lot of times of saying, ah, you know, maybe not, I'll do it sometime. There was one time, and it was on a Thursday, uh, when he said, I think I reached out to him, and I said, hey, I actually do have a box. Do you want to see what it is? And we got on an Instagram Live, and I believe it was just him and I, and we were doing that first box. And at the end of it, we said, man, that was pretty fun. Uh, you want to do that again? Sure. When should we do that again? I don't know, like Thursday? Thursday this week work? Does Thursday next week work? Yeah. What time? I don't know, same time. 59 weeks later, here we are um, of doing that exact same thing, man. And there's nobody with, I wouldn't even have thought about doing this show if I couldn't find somebody that had at least some of the amount of passion that I have towards it because I want someone um, who is going to be passionate about it and does want to put some time and effort into it. And I can think of nobody better uh, than Crumbs. Uh, he's extremely passionate. He's extremely knowledgeable. He's dedicated. He's talented. Uh, why wouldn't you want to hook up with this guy and just kind of go on an adventure and see where it goes, man? You know, and I think that's what we're doing. I think we're both having a really fun time doing it. Uh, we are both having a really fun time uh, with the people that are along for the ride, man, yourself included, dude. I think it um, it really takes a village, as they say. Uh, and I think that's what we have, man. And I think it's growing to a big village uh, with some people that really care about other people and that are passionate about it. When you add all those things up, man, I don't know. I don't know how that can be a failing res recipe on any level. Uh, I'm excited to be a part of it. I know Crumbs is excited to be a part of it. Uh, and it's just a, it's a very, it's a movement, man. It's, it's, you know, we were all kind of brought here around the same time, most of us. Um, but when you think about what a movement is, uh, I, I believe that this is a, this is an independent toy artist movement is what we are smack dab in the middle of. Uh, and it's, it's very fun to be a part of, man. I'm enthusiastic about it. I'm passionate about it. And uh, I, I can't wait to, to dig even deeper. Mm, mm, mm. So good. Now, wait, plug your shit. What are you talking about? You can't, you can't just stop. You got to plug that shit. Yeah. So Thursdays, YouTube, IG, Toys Alive, just as it's spelled, T-O-Y-Z-A-L-I-V-E, uh, YouTube, uh, everything, every Thursday, 6 PST, 9 EST. And the reality is, man, honestly, I, I say it to anybody who's kind of a little bit kind of curious. If you're not even interested in podcasts, if you're not really interested in watching dudes talk about toys, it's honestly, that's kind of like the bare level you'll get. Just even meeting the people in the chat, that's like the, the biggest part that they'll get. Yeah, unreal. It's cool to see it. Um, and there's people in the chat that I don't know, but I can see their like comments and like, I know who you are. I, that's hilarious. Dude, that's exactly it. And they start <laughs> greeting each other. Like, mm -hmm. honestly, there's been times that somebody I know for a fact that, like, we'll be talking about it in the week. They'll come to their first one. By their second one, everybody's like, hey, so-and-so, night so-and-so. And you're like, damn, dudes. Yeah, when they start saying goodnight, it's like, I didn't know we were tucking each other in, but I'm into it. 
<laughs> hey, thank you so much for coming on Toys on Tap. Two hours well spent. Thank you for having us, man. It was a uh, I'd be lying, bro, if I if I if I wouldn't have said probably 30, 40 weeks ago of oh man, dude, it's gonna be pretty cool to do a Toys on Tap interview. And here we are, man. Uh, I am so much looking forward to the uh, bootleg market on Friday. Uh, super stoked to be a part of that. We get to look at more cool shit from really cool people. Um, and thank you, dude, again, for the opportunity to have us on, man. That was very cool.